you. Good morning. I really like Joe a lot, but there's two things I can't believe he did. I can't believe he made fun of my little pool. I mean, I like this thing. I bought this thing on the street the other day. You know those? You've probably all seen them, right? And just to clarify, my wife will not fit in this, okay? So I've defended my wife in public. That should be good for something. But I think she loves Joe more than she loves me. Joe's one of our favorite people, so. Uh, good morning. My name's uh, Ralph Howe, and I know a lot of you we, we haven't met. Um, I'm one of the pastors here at CCC. Uh, my wife and I have been in Beijing for three and a half years. We've got four children, and uh, we love, absolutely love being a part of the church. Um, you know, the, just the whole idea of the church in general, this, this organism that God's placed on the earth is a witness for himself. Um, I, I love it. And I also love CCC. This church has just brought healing and life in so many ways to our family that we're thrilled to be a part of it. We're thrilled to be able to be a part of leadership here uh, in this place. And uh, earlier this year, Tom Lauder did a series uh, on the church. And uh, the, the message basically was that the title of the series was, you know, church, why bother? I mean, why bother? You know, some of us could think, hey, it's my one full day off maybe, and why not stay home? Why not do something else? Why bother? coming to church and that series really stirred me and I've really been thinking a lot about the church so today we're going to talk about the church um, we're going to talk about a wedding a little bit we're going to talk about church a little bit and now uh, we're going to do it all through the context of an Old Testament story uh, found in the book of Genesis uh, chapter 24 so through the first part of my time up here I'm going to set up the story and I'm going to read a, a good portion of Genesis 24 some of you would be very familiar with it it's a story of of Abraham, uh, who's at this time of the story an old man, but a great patriarch. And he's got uh, his son Isaac. At this time of the story, Isaac is 40 years old and he's never been married. And um, Abraham has a servant, and not just a servant, but a trusted right-hand man who's in charge of all the wealth. And Abraham had great wealth. He had amassed huge amounts of wealth. And this trusted servant was in charge of all of it. And Abraham entrusted this servant to go back to his homeland. Abraham had actually traveled from his homeland many years earlier, but wanted a wife for his son from his home people, from his homeland. And so in Genesis 24, we see this servant, who's a very significant uh, person in the story. He goes out and he finds the wife that God has chosen for Isaac, Abraham's son. And he brings her back and they get married and all live happily ever after and all that kind of stuff. Um, so we're going to look at that story and I need to like tell the story and then I need to read the story and then we need to go back through the story. So um, please bear with me in that first part if it, uh, if it feels repetitive because um, I repeat all the time. I'm a teacher. I teach golf as well and I know that in teaching you have to say things more than once. So I'm going to say it more than once. My kids roll their eyes at me when I do it. You have permission to roll your eyes if I'm repeating too much, okay? So my kids are allowed to do it too. Um, okay, so in Genesis chapter 24, we pick up with Abraham, uh, who's an old man desiring and knowing it's time for his son, his 40-year-old son, to have a bride. And it's a part of a much bigger story because before Isaac was even born, God told Abraham that he would have so many, um, you know, people born throughout the generations after him through his family line that you wouldn't even be able to count them. There'd be so many. And then, of course, in God's ways and God's dealings with people, 
for years and years and years, Abraham had no children. You know, and you think, okay, I've got to have the first one before we can have, you know, all the others, right? So then he has the son, and the son's 40 years old, has never been married. So there's no grandchildren. And Abraham's quite old, like almost ready to die. And so he's going, I know that there has to be a bride for my son. I know how this works, right? So I'm going to read a bit. As I read this, every once in a while, I'm just going to stop and I'm going to say that's important. And I, I, I really, I don't want to like bother you guys or like be aggravating to you. But when I stop and say that's important, would you just look at somebody next to you and just say that was important? Okay? Because <laughs> we're going to come back to it next. And that's also my way of knowing if I'm putting you to sleep or not. Okay? So, so if you'll just humor me, uh, I don't like to hear only my voice all the time. So, so here is Genesis chapter 24. Abraham was now a very old man, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. One day Abraham said to the man in charge of his household, who was his oldest servant, Swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not let my son marry one of these local Canaanite women. Go instead to my homeland, to my relatives, and find a wife there for my son Isaac. The servant asked, But suppose I can't find a young woman who will travel so far from home. May I then take Isaac there to live among your relatives? And Abraham says, no, emphatically. He says, absolutely not. He says, be careful never to take my son there. For the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and my native land, solemnly promised to give this land to my offspring. He will send his angel ahead of you, and he will see to it that you find a young woman there to be my son's wife. And if she is unwilling to come back with you, then you are free from this oath. But under no circumstances are you to take my son there. So the servant took a solemn oath that he would follow Abraham's instructions. He then loaded 10 of Abraham's camels with gifts and set out. And that's important. Han Jung Yao, Han Jung Yao, right? Did I say it right, James? Did I say it right? Okay, Han Jung Yao. That's what we're, next time, Han Jung Yao, okay? I don't know what it means, but we'll say it anyway. Um, so, he loaded ten of Abraham's camels with gifts and set out, taking with him the best of everything his master owned. He traveled to Aram, Naharaim, and went to the village where Abraham's brother Nahor had settled. There the servant made the camels kneel down beside a well just outside the village. It was evening, and the women were coming out to draw water. So then the servant prays, and, and he prays, God, help me to find the right woman. Right? I'll just shorten a little bit of the reading. Um, but then in verse 14, in his prayer, he says, this is my request. I will ask one of these young women coming out to the well for a drink. So would you give me a drink of water? And he said, if it's the woman that's to marry Isaac, I would like her to also say, yes, certainly, and I will water your camels too. So he's putting a little test out there in his prayer for God. That's important. Well done. I've forgotten. You remembered. Way to go. Way to go. She says, certainly, and I will, marry, I will water your camels too. Let her be the one you've appointed to be Isaac's wife. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. As he was still praying, a young woman named Rebekah arrived at the well with a water jug on her shoulder. Her father was Bethuel, who was the son of Abraham's brother Nahor, and his wife Milcah. Now Rebekah was very beautiful, and she was a virgin, and no man had ever slept with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jug, and came up again. Running over to her, the servant asked, please give me a drink. Certainly, sir, she said, and she quickly, quickly, that's important. She quickly lowered the jug for him to drink. 
When he had finished, he said, I'll draw waters for your camels too until they've had enough. One more time. That's important. She drew the water and she said, I'll do it till they've had enough. Verse 20. So she quickly emptied, she quickly emptied the water jug into the watering trough and ran to the well again. Start to create this picture in your mind. Here's this girl coming out for her normal chore multiple times a day, the young women with who knows how big, a gallon, two gallons, whatever, a jug, and come to the well, however far the walk was outside of town to the well. She'd fill it up, she'd put it on her shoulder, and she'd walk back. So she's coming out to do her daily chore. Maybe she'd had a tough day, who knows. And this stranger's there with all these smelly camels, who, by the way, traveled about 500 miles, uh, roughly 500 miles, mostly through desert. So smelly, everybody's tired. She sees them, probably not as an opportunity for socialization, but probably as, as a burden a bit, maybe. So the guy says, would you give me water? She goes, of course I will. And she runs over and she gets it and she quickly brings it to him. Then she says, I'll water the camels, no problem. So interesting girl that we'll talk more about. So she quickly emptied the jug. She ran down to the well again. She kept carrying water to the camels until they were finished drinking. The servant watched her in silence, wondering whether or not she was the one the Lord intended him to meet. Then at last, I like that. It's not important, but I like it. Then at last... When the camels had finished drinking, he gave her a gold ring for her nose and two large bracelets for her wrist. It's an interesting story that's developing. Abraham was a massively wealthy man. And this servant brought the best of what Abraham had. And after this woman did this and he saw that she was the one God was picking for the bride, he gave her some really cool jewelry, right? And so she... So the servant stays at the well. She runs back home. I'm going to summarize some of the story. She runs back home, and her brother's name is Laban. And the Bible says that when Laban saw the jewelry, he was like, where did you get that? You know, and she said, there's this guy with a bunch of camels with all this stuff on him, and he's out at the well, and I gave him water. And Laban just tears off and gets the guy and says, come stay at our house. You know, he's like, hey, come on, I'll help you. Come stay at our house, you know. Servant comes, comes to the house. They say, the whole family gathers, what's going on? He says, here's why I've come. He tells the whole story. He tells Rebecca's family and parents about the prayer he prayed and how Rebecca had responded. And the family acknowledges it, sees that God's hand is at work, and that Rebecca's to be this young man, Isaac, who's 40, to be his bride. Even though she's never met him, nobody knows anything about him. It's an interesting story, cultural a bit, you know, for the time period. But then just to read a bit more, so he sees the jewelry, he runs home, and the family acknowledges, certainly, you know, she is, she can go. They, they tell him, the servant, she can go back with you. We see God's hand in this. And at this reply, Abraham's servant bowed to the ground and worshiped the Lord. Then he brought out silver and gold jewelry and lovely clothing for Rebekah. Now look at each other and say, Han Jun Yao. He also gave valuable presents to her and her mother and father. They had supper, you know, they talked. The next morning they got up and the servant's like, I want to take Rebecca and start the journey back across the desert 500 miles right now to bring her to Isaac. And the family says, no, let her stay for 10 days. We want to get used to this idea. We want to have her with us before she goes. And the servant says, no, no, don't stop. Don't stop me. We got to go. So the family says, we'll ask Rebecca if she's ready to go. And so the family says, are you willing to go with this man? And she replies immediately. She says, I will go. And so with that, oh, I got to read it. Sorry. 
Um, with that, they give her a blessing in verse 61. Then Rebekah and her servants mounted the camels and left Abraham's servant. Meanwhile, Isaac was home, back in his home area. And one evening, he was taking a walk in the fields, meditating. He looked up and he saw the caravan, saw the camels coming. And when Rebekah looked out and saw Isaac, she quickly dismounted. Who is this man walking through the field to meet us, she asked the servant. And he replied, it is my master. So Rebekah covered her face with a veil. Then the servant told Isaac the whole story. And Isaac brought Rebekah into his mother's tent, and she became his wife. He loved her very much, and she was a special comfort to him after the death of his mother. So it's an interesting story to some. It might be a bit of dragging on to others. I don't know. Um, but here's what I know about God's word. God's word tells one story. No matter where you are in God's word, there's, there's a storyline and there's something deeper. And the storyline of the Bible is that God has a purpose and a plan that will culminate at the end of the age. And Rebecca in this story is a picture of the church of Jesus Christ. You want to understand, like I'm thinking, okay, who's the church? Who should CCC be? What should we be busy doing as a, as a, as a church community? Well, we can look at the character of Rebecca and get a lot of insights. Rebecca is a picture of the church. Isaac is a picture of Jesus. Abraham is a picture of God the Father. See, all through the Old Testament, all the stories are real. They happen in history, and they're recorded in a way to teach us deeper spiritual truth. So Abraham is clearly the father picture, the picture of God the Father. Isaac, this is so amazing. I, just, I don't have time to teach all this stuff, but maybe over a few weeks we will. This is so amazing. Isaac, when he was younger, God called Abraham to sacrifice his one and only son. And without going way into that, that was a picture of God the Father having Jesus sacrificed so our sin could be forgiven. And that story took place in Genesis 22. And at the very end of that story, if you don't know it, Abraham was committed to do it. Isaac was willing to lay down his life and obey his father. And at the last minute, God said, don't do it. And then there was a purpose to all that. But Genesis 22, when, when, when Isaac, in a sense, is sacrificed and then at the last moment brought back to life, it's the last time we see him until we meet him in Genesis 24 with Rebekah. It's a picture of Jesus having been crucified, risen from the dead, and the next time we're going to see him is when the church is reunited with him for eternity. It's a powerful picture all through Scripture, picture after picture after picture of New Testament reality. So who's the servant in the story? The Holy Spirit. The servant goes unnamed. He's a powerful, important part of the story, and he's in charge of everything that the Father owns. And he has a mission and a purpose, and it's the mission and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit goes out throughout the whole earth seeking for those who desire a relationship with the Father, who desire to come into fellowship in the church. And when you come into the church, when you believe in Christ, you'll be united with him for eternity. And the Holy Spirit goes out and finds each of us as individuals, and he builds the church. And you know what he does? He prepares us to be the bride for the son. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing right now. He's preparing you. You think you're just stuck in traffic? The Holy Spirit's preparing you. He's building patience in you, right? When those nine people go around to the left, you know, and they cut off your spot, and you've got to wait at the light longer, the Holy Spirit's at work in our lives. He's preparing us for the wedding. You have a destiny, and I have a destiny with Christ for eternity. It's to be united with him. 
So here's this picture of Rebecca. Now I'm going to go back through it. Um, okay. So the camels. There's ten camels. And at a deeper level in study of the scripture, numbers, some numbers seem to come up more often than others, and there seems to be a pattern. There seems to be uh, you know, a significance to numbers. And number, the number 10, there were 10 camels. 10 is a number of testing. It's a number of testing and trials. There were, you know, 10 plagues in Egypt. The 10 commandments were like the 10 things that we couldn't live up to. There's 10 camels. And they show up at the well. And she says, I'll water all your camels. Okay, so if I'm reading my morning devotion on Monday morning and I read past that and I read the next thing and I race off to work. But wait a minute. There's 10 camels who just traveled 500 miles across the desert. Camels. A full-grown camel drinks 40 gallons of water when they're thirsty. Okay? So now you know why we got the little pool here. Please, please just humor me. This is one of the cool things about this church. We have connections. This is the actual bucket that Rebecca used. <laughs> and we were, we were able to get this on loan from the Museum of Jerusalem. So, so please try to picture me as a beautiful young woman. I know it's very difficult. I know you shouldn't have laughed so hard. Here's Rebecca. Bear with me because this is important. Here's one gallon. There's 40 camels. Rebecca ran quickly and she filled up the trough and she ran back and she filled up her gallon jug and she ran back. And if I splash you, I'm very sorry. I didn't see, I didn't realize there'd be people so close. And she filled it up. There's two. I got 398 more of these to go. And it's probably hot outside, right? 399 and she's racing back and forth and she's dishing out the water and I love the scripture in a different version than what I read it says that the servant sat down watching her in silence <laughs> right now get a picture of how unreasonable his prayer request was he was throwing out there something that only God could do this right but who is Rebecca Rebecca's hard at work. You know when it was? It was evening. Guys, evening in scripture in a deeper sense is a picture of the end of the age. Rebecca's character is a picture of the church at the end of the age. And what's she doing? She's busy at work. She's responsive to the voice of the servant of the Father. Do you know the Holy Spirit's voice in your life? She went quickly. She heard the Holy Spirit's voice and she stopped everything she was doing. She didn't stop to think, my mom's waiting for me to come back with the water so we can cook. My dad's going to be mad. How long did it take? 400 gallons of water. She heard the voice of the Holy Spirit, the servant, and she stopped everything and responded immediately. Some of you are sitting in these chairs because you did that from wherever you came from. Because God's got a purpose, right? She waters the camels. Guys, the well, the well in Scripture, in a, in a deeper sense, is a picture of salvation. Jesus says, if anybody's thirsty, come to me and you can drink the water of eternal life. Who's the church? The church is busy at the waters of salvation, dishing it out abundantly beyond anybody could ever ask or think. We're working hard, we're sweaty, we're tired, but we're dishing out the waters of salvation for all who come close. Who is Capital Community Church? We will be busy at work at the well of salvation, dishing out the waters that's the life of Christ to people. And we'll sweat and we'll be tired and we'll question ourselves sometimes.
but we'll do it because God is calling us to do it. And, and I love this part of the story. This is, this is my personal favorite part of the story. So does Rebecca like the camels by the 400th bucket? I wouldn't like the camels. You know what the Bible says after she did it? You know where her gifts came from? The gifts came from the back of her camels. God, you know, you know how God develops our character? Trials come into our life, and they exhaust us, and they exasperate us, and they beat us down, and they make us question everything. And then we see what God was doing. And another fruit of the Spirit, another gift from the Spirit of God becomes a part of our arsenal, and we put it on. We put it on. And we become more like Christ. We become stronger. We become a more beautiful bride because of the tests that we thought were going to beat us. And I'm going to jump to the end of the story because I love it. It's my favorite part. You know how Rebecca went back to meet her husband? She rode on top of those camels. I love it. I love it. She rode those camels right out of town, baby, you know. And, the, and just before they left, the Spirit not only gave her jewelry beyond any amount of money we could comprehend, but it, Scripture says he clothed her with beautiful clothing. You know God's dressing you and I in beautiful clothing? Not, not, not this stuff, you know that, but the character of Christ is being formed in you. Whether this season of your life it's being formed quickly and rapidly and you can see it, or it's being formed slowly and laboriously, it doesn't matter because it's happening. God is clothing you spiritually in a beautiful way. And he already sees you perfect in Christ. Now, Rebecca never met Isaac. The only way she knew about Isaac was because of the son. I'm sorry, because of the spirit, because of the servant. The servant taught her about the father and about the son who was to be her bride. And she believed it. And she said, I'm willing to be married to him. And she'd never met him. That's our story the Holy Spirit. Why do we believe in Jesus? If you're here and you believe in Jesus this morning, because the Holy Spirit has revealed him to us. The Holy Spirit's so important in my life. He's so important in your life. Learn to identify his voice. Learn, get in scripture so you can sense God's voice in your life. So important. And of course, where does the Spirit lead her? as they go back for the ultimate consummation of their relationship. He leads her through the wilderness, through the desert. And that's another picture of this world. This world is broken and fallen and difficult at times. It's like a desert. And we are the church being led through the wilderness by the Spirit to be united for eternity with our bride, with, with our groom, who is Christ. The Bible says that Jesus is there right now preparing a place. And Abraham and Isaac had prepared a place and were ready for the bride to come. And in God's perfect timing, this all happened. It's a beautiful picture. Now, I, I know, I knew coming up here, maybe some of you have never read through the Bible and certainly never focused in on Genesis 24, so this might be so much information. Uh, but that's okay, because the Holy Spirit's at work in your heart and your mind. Go back and read Genesis 24, then read the whole Old New Testament, <laughs> right? And you'll see it. You'll see it. I, I'm, I'm just going to talk for another minute or two. I'm going to ask the worship team to just come on up. And I just, I just want to finish by just, maybe, maybe it's a summary, but I just want to point out, again, who Rebecca is, who Isaac is, who the servant is. And then we're just going to go into worship, and we're going to finish the service out uh, with worship today. And let me, let me say this. If, 
If you believe in Jesus you're, and you've accepted him as Savior, you are, you are beautiful and perfect in his eyes. And what he's doing is he's building into our lives a way that we can recognize the beauty that he has shaped in us. We're forgiven, we're whole, we're healed. We have to learn to walk that out. And of course, in another message, there's an enemy that tries to keep us from that reality. But be encouraged by that. If you're not yet a follower of Christ, if you don't know what that means or you know what it means and you just don't buy into it, then I'd challenge you. If there's any chance that this story is true, you ought, to, you ought to spend a little bit of time at least trying to disprove it for yourself. That's how I got started 25 years ago. I went to enough church services, had enough friends bug me and bother me and tell me about Jesus. I finally said, okay, I'm going to disprove this so you'll leave me alone. And I dropped on my knees in tears and accepted Christ not long after that. And uh, so I challenge all of you, wherever you are, to, to pursue him. Who is Rebecca? Rebecca is a woman whose marriage was planned long before she was even aware of it. It's true for you and me. Rebecca was necessary for the, God, for the Father's purposes. The church is necessary. You're a necessary part of God's purposes and plans. Rebecca shares in all that the son owns, and the son owns a lot, right? She learned about the son through the servant. She left everything she had before even seeing him. She journeyed through the wilderness guided by the servant. And she's united in love forever by the son. Who, who is Isaac? Isaac was promised long before his coming, just like Jesus. At the, at the appointed time, he arrived. Isaac was conceived miraculously. If you don't know that about his story, he was conceived miraculously just like we know Jesus was conceived miraculously. Isaac's a picture of Jesus. Isaac was offered by his son and by his father as a sacrifice. Just like Jesus. Isaac was obedient unto death in a sense, and the New Testament uses this language. Isaac was brought back from the dead to his father. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit accompanies the church through the wilderness of this world. The Holy Spirit teaches us about the Son. The Holy Spirit fills us with gifts. I didn't even elaborate on that. The gifts of the Spirit to serve the church, the gifts in the church, hospitality, service, teaching, all these things. And the Holy Spirit's at work preparing to present us to Christ at the last day.